because it was my life I was going to lose. It was me who was paying the consequences. Like all my friends have died. They're all gone. There ain't none of them left. They all overdosed and died. I was homeless. I didn't have any money. Doors were all closed. Locks were all changed. I'm not there to hold their hand. I'm there to hold out my hand. If I want to be successful, I need to be around successful people. It will get better as long as I continue to put in the work and do whatever I can to help the next person. It gets better, Doc. It gets better. It gets Doc. better right there, baby. All right, welcome to It Gets Better. We've got the Robs. You know the Robs. You know their story. Hey, hey guys. Yeah, man. They're What's fantastic. And we've got a, a really special guy. Todd Fedork. Former NHL, cool guy, not going to talk about his face. He's got a hat, hell of a hat on right there. But the fridge. Yeah, the <laughs> fridge, the fridge. Not the oh, enforcer, yeah. so don't come to me, guys. So happy. Nah, so happy saying, to have him on. Absolutely. Exactly right. <laughs> so we're just going to just roll, just start talking about it. Of course, it gets better. It's talking about hope and all of the good stuff that uh, definitely uh, the Robs keep on preaching. So, Lutman, take it away. Start talking. Hey, talk. yes, sir. Todd, thank you so much for coming on and taking the time to come on with us tonight for the It Gets Better podcast. Todd is a good friend of mine, okay? Right, Todd? We talk basically every single day. We hang out, go golf and eat, come by the center. You know what I mean? Uh, Todd has been, uh, you know, somebody very special to our program over at the Detox and the Counseling Center. Uh, you know, he went out of his way big time for us this year for the Toys of Tots drive. Right on. And I really want to thank him again for that. And he came in clutch. And so many children were able to have toys for this holiday season because of Todd. And he came through with literally a huge truck. And it took us like five <laughs> trips up and down the steps to get these toys upstairs. But it was something really special. Thank you for that, Todd. Right on. And, thank you. And, you know, we were one to bring Todd on because – you know, one, Todd, NA, former NHL, Philadelphia Flyer, local to this area right here, big-time fighter. You know, how many hockey fights, Todd? Oh, geez. On the way here, total 16 <laughs> over over 350 bare-knuckle fights, wow. baby. 300 right. bare-knuckle fights on skates. In NHL, I had 100, so 100 yeah. two, I think, so. Yeah, we're, we're talking a lot of fisticuffs there. But we're also, Todd has a great story about his personal recovery, what he's dealt with in his personal addiction, alcoholism, his story uh, throughout his career, throughout his life, his family life, AA. And the good thing is he's where he's at today. He's helping other addicts and alcoholics. He speaks from the heart. OK, that's something that I want to make very clear here. Every time I speak to Scott, I mean, I'm, excuse me. Every time I speak with Todd, OK, I was thinking Scott. Please, no, okay. Every time I every time I talk, every time I, I'm all ears. Fuck me. Right. No. Every single time I speak with the fridge here. OK, he's always talking about going that extra mile for helping somebody and going out of his way. And it's, to him, it's not going out of his way. It's just his lifestyle. So I'm glad to have Todd on tonight. And, he, you know, if you don't mind, please tell us some, you know, a little bit about yourself and, and about what you've overcame and a little bit about your story going through the NHL and, you know, where you're at today. Well, geez, I mean, I've done I've, I've spoken about it before and I think 
you know, as, as a professional athlete, former professional athlete, and you see it now today, guys are, are more open to talking about the, the issues that they have with the substance abuse, behavioral health, uh, depression, anxiety as they're coming up. And I don't know, there's just, you see it in the media now and, and guys are, are uh, you know, it's, it's nothing to be ashamed about. Like, that's the one thing that I really like to uh, get across is that this is something that it's 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 sick it's sick people trying to get better and um <clears throat> that's the main thing it's as common as it's almost as common as the common cold i mean you know everybody's afflicted in some degree of separation that ain't too far so it touches home with a lot of people and um you know my story is interesting because it, it kind of it's wrapped around the professional athlete and and and, and and the partying and the drugs and the booze and the mayhem and the chaos and, and the fall from grace and and all that stuff entwined into a, a um, you know a story that uh, you know it's it's just like a lot of other guys they just got to play hockey and get paid money for it you know it, it was when it, you know I remember the first time that I that I had uh, I drank I was I was I think it was twelve or thirteen years old and. It was right away. Like I, I, I loved how it affected me, and I, that's what I chased. I, the first time I drank and the first time I got that elixir in my body, um, something clicked, and I just—that's uh, what I wanted. I wanted to get there. I wanted to get there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I was I was young, and and you know, probably shouldn't be doing some of the things I did, but uh, it was off to the races, you know. And um, I was always a wild child. You know, and um, my mom called it spirited, but uh, I, I moved away from home at 15 years old, 16 years old to, to pursue a career in the NHL. Um, I don't know if that led to it or, or led to the, the progression, the loneliness and whatnot from being away from your family and your home. And, um, you know, I had a good upbringing, you know, no one in my family is an alcoholic. So uh, nobody's got the disease of addiction like the guy got. So who knows? You know what? I had some tragedies happen when I was a kid that, uh, you know, may have spawned it, may not have. I don't ask why. You know what? I just, I just, uh, I know that uh, when I was growing up, um, I really just liked the effect of um, from of, uh, from alcohol, and then I also found some other other drugs too along the way. So and you were already drinking and experimenting with some drugs while playing youth hockey at the time. I should have never made it, man. There's okay. no way. By the time I got to the NHL, I had full-blown addiction. I was a full-blown stone-drunk alcoholic, you know, and I, I was mixing in some dry goods. I was doing the powdered goods and, the, and you know, methamphetamine and, 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 and acid. And, I mean, I was the type of guy that just wanted more, you know, and I'm is, not bashful about talking about it at all right. either. Is this a reason, Todd, that maybe – why you were a fighter? Did it did it help you as far as being brave enough fighting some of these guys out there, especially younger? And it's like, man, I just got to get fucked up. And this yeah. way, I'll, I'll throw fists with anybody. I don't give a shit. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I, I honestly, I don't know if it was the booze. I just, I no, I didn't really have any fear. But maybe it was the booze that made me feel that way. I don't. I don't think on it that much. I just. I just. I don't know, man. I got a river that runs wild in me, and I like to I like to give her, man. I like to give her, and yeah. everything that I do, it was a, a it was a thousand miles an hour, intense, 
as, as as much and as more as you could possibly throw at me, I was willing to take and keep going. And that's just the way that I was built. And, and, and part of the role, and I think coming up young, I mean, I was 16 and I'm, I'm, I'm in a league with, with 20 year old guys. So they're, they're, they're like men, you know, I'm Man, still right. a teenager and, and you're away from home. So you don't have that, that, you don't have that safety of the parents and your brother and, and, you know, I had a tight family too. So yeah, there's some loneliness that creeps in, but when you're, when you're with the sport, those, the teammates are kind of your guys. And I just, I just fell into that role. I, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to be this guy, man. I'm going to be the wild man. I'm going to be the guy that just fights and does it all. And I mean, my mentors were like Bob Probert and like, right. those are the guys I looked up to. And, um, you know, all the tough guys, Dave Semenko, uh, Dave Brown. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to, I want to, there's a thousand you could mention. And but, you're naming some of the bruisers and some of the all time yeah. favorites of, of, especially in our sports city here. Yeah. Uh, you know, being the younger guy and younger man on some of these teams, especially when you're younger, moving into the Phantoms and the Flyers and whatnot, was that something that was just uh, a, a normal thing to maybe after the game, you guys were just going out and, and drinking? Or was it just I go home, isolate, and I'm just drinking because this is what I do? Did other people on the team do the same thing or yeah, know about I mean, what you're yeah, doing? There's a level of camaraderie. I mean, with everything, you know, there's a level of camaraderie. You got the boys, and right. I mean, we got to we got to get up in the morning and train and live our lives. And there's a little bit of money in our pockets. Don't get me wrong. There was some money in the game then, and um, you're young. You're you you got cash. Uh, you're a professional athlete. You're supposed to be doing this stuff. You're supposed to be living life like you, they call it living the dream for a reason. And I, I did it to the fullest. So, I mean, with the Phantoms in that rookie year, um, I just found myself, I found myself alone all the time. Like, where is everybody? You know, but it right. leads, it leads to that lifestyle. It can It can, you can really easily get off track. And I might have the years mixed up here, but was that the year that you guys won it down there? So it was a successful year. Or was that the year after? No, those were years. That was the lockout those, year that I okay. actually, I had played a couple of years. So the and first, you got bumped up. Yeah, the first okay. I was I got I, I played one year with the Phantoms, and then my second year, um, my my first year in Philadelphia was my my last year. Well, not my first stint with sobriety. So after that year, um, I was twenty, and I mean I remember the guys on the team were like, "Well, this guy's a wild man." Like. And then, you know, right. I had, I had a talk with some, some upper management and um, I didn't even know I had a problem. I just thought I liked to party. Like I right. thought I liked to party. I just partied a lot harder than everybody else. And um, it, it progressed to a point where I was, I was always alone. You know what I mean? Right. And through, throughout that season, um, by the end of it, I, I couldn't stop. Like, and, and, and I don't know if I didn't want to or, or, I didn't care to, I just, I was, I just wanted to keep going. And it like, it came down to a conversation I'd had when I broke down after practice. And I, I, I just felt something was wrong with me. You know what I mean? I felt something was off. I was, I felt like I was looking for something. I was young. So now was, did, did Mr. Snyder know about some of your issues and still well, gave you an opportunity to play? Or did you kind of like redirect that because this is your professional career and we're talking about some money here so you kind of don't want the big guy knowing fully about what's going on here right yeah but you're kind of being secretive about your problem you know, in a way the flyers organization and um that's i mean it's why i make my home here mr snyder's was 
that's a family. Oh yeah. And they truly are a family. And I, like, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't want to say that I'm an example of that. <laughs> the way that I did things is kind of off cuff, but they took care of the men and, and they still do to this day. And yes. uh, that's what happened with me. I'm sure that he got rumblings. He knows everybody that he, I was a draft pick of the flyers. So I was drafting right. the seventh round. Um, odds were against me the whole way. Usually you don't get a late rounder come in, but I was a flyer type player. And, and that, that year when I went away, um, you know, there was somebody in the organization that had, that had that talk with me and, and we connected and we connected in a way that you can only connect with somebody of the same, you know, a similar affliction. And, and I, I kind of was like, man, I'm like that. Like it just, it, it kind of added up. And then, you know, he, he said, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm an alcoholic, you know, right. and, and uh, you, you should probably go get some help. And, and they kind of guided me. And the, 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 the neat thing was that the substance, the substance abuse and behavioral health program in the NHL was just starting to be developed. And uh. um, I don't know if they by design kept me out of it or if I was too young to stay out of it. But, uh, you know, there's some guys, Dan Cronin, Paul Holmgren with the Flyers, yep. obviously Bobby Clark and the whole crew. Like these were like my uncles. And you've got to understand we're, we're 20 years old when we come to this region and we're farm kids. So it's, it's kind of a culture shock, but, um, all these guys take you under their wing and they understand that, uh, you know, playing this game is a lot of commitment and sometimes things can go sideways. And, um, they, they sent me away and, and I, I, I went up to, uh, Pennsylvania, up to Northern Pennsylvania, uh, Marworth, a place called Marworth. So this was like your first real rehab stint? Yeah, this is my okay. first rehab stint. So I, it was, it was just in the minors that year. And I actually got sent down to the East coast and I played in Trenton and I thought my career was over and right. I, I got into doing stuff during the games and getting kicked out of the games to do some stuff. Like, you know, I just, it was out of control. Like it, it gets for us. And, um, were you not taking care of your body, Todd? Like, were you putting on weight or losing weight, not working out as much, or well, were you still able to do that? I remember Johnny Stevens used to weigh me in after weekends and it, you see in the minors we have, we play on the weekends and then we get, usually we get Monday, Tuesday off, right? Sometimes you play Wednesday, but in the minors you play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And if you didn't have Sunday, you'd get that day off and Monday off. So those were running days and we, right. and we'd binge, like I would binge drink. I can't speak for anybody else I played with, but there was a lot of passengers with me. Oh yeah, We had a night we could go every night. I mean, Monday, well, Monday night was nowhere. Tuesday night was, uh, Tuesday night was um, Finnegan. No, Finnegan's Wake maybe. <laughs> Wednesday night was the pennant. Thursday, Thursday. Oh, Thursday. now you're yeah. talking my language with the yeah. pennant. <laughs> you walk in there, your feet are sticking oh. to the floor, and your oh, elbows yeah, are sticking yeah. there was to the bad. old wooden bar. Yeah, and there was bad. That place was so bad. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was messy and. Um, balloons. We'd always end up at balloons and the, and the hideaway over in Philly or not in Philly. Um, it was, it was, um, it was a wild time and we were young kids with money and, and it got out of control and, but I was already on my way. You know what I mean? Like the hockey, the fighting and all that could, would it add to it? Yeah, man. I was, I was a wild man and concussions, concussions add to that stuff. Traumatic brain injury adds to those things. And, you know, the progression just picked up way too quick for me and the, the amounts that I was doing, like, yeah, I, you know, when I went away, they, they said I probably had three, three, four months left to live the amount of oh, wow. partying I was doing. Well, Hey, you got an empty, you don't, your, your wallet doesn't empty out, man. And you can just keep going. And like, I just go for days and, um, 
you know what I went when I went away and um, I I was given an ultimatum. Look, son, you can either go back home to Western Canada and dig ditches, or you can go up and 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 try and pay attention and try to soak in some knowledge to see if you know you can straighten this thing out and get back on track and keep an open mind when you go into these places and and all of that was kind of said to me and and try everything um take a look at things from a different perspective um use the tools that are offered to you in places like this to try and and write the ship because you know, you don't end up in places like that if you don't have issues and you don't have unmanageability. And you know, part of this problem is not seeing that. You know, I had I had my dream hanging on a on a wire, and I was willing to throw it all away. And uh, it was over a, a bottle and a, and a and a line of coke. You know, so, like that's. So I'm going to interrupt because I'm getting tired of listening to Rob talking your ear off. <laughs> Not you, Daniel. I was thinking the same thing. It's like, ah, you, it's like, I was like, I'm okay. too fucking silent. Yo, rough and, crowd and, here. Oh my gosh. Bridge. And I like Jeez. the way you wear your sweatshirt, too. Tell us a little bit more. But no, you know, Demio, you know, we're just sitting here. But anyway, um, you go to treatment. <laughs> Scott's catching wreck on you, buddy. It's like, my yeah. God, man. Yeah, how do I mute Scott? You know, I don't know how to. Going, Hey Scott, Guy Scott mute him. You, know that, uh, you know that Ludman, he was really talking quite a bit. And I thought, I, like, oh, I got you. So after the treatment, right? You got the treatment. Now, were you sober? It's better, Scott. Yeah, I was, I was stone cold sober. I went in there and. and what, what year? And I'm looking at your stat card here. Because I it can't. Was, it, was, uh, it was 2000. It was 99, 2000, my first year here. And at the end of that. That's right. I ended up, it was April that I went up there. Um, I don't remember my first sobriety date because I yeah, went yeah. in there and I, w- I checked in for 28 days, but I was in, like it, it, it struck me early and I did, I just did everything that they asked. I, I clicked in, I, yeah. I found out so much about myself that I'd always been asking myself over all these years, like, you know, and, and, I just felt like I'd finally arrived somewhere and it was in rehab. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I took what advice was given to me going in was keep an open mind and, and uh, they let me out in 17 days. So, um, so the rest of your, your, your professional career, as I look at it sober, no, no, no. Yeah. So what happened? And this is what it is was <laughs> talk, talk about something, uh, like you know, in, in twelve, in some some of the programs of recovery, they they talk about promises, and some come early and some come uh, late, but they all come right. And um, you know, in that first two years, three years of sobriety, you know, when I I made the NHL, like you know, I I remember sitting up on the bike, and um, I, I obviously you get you get physically pretty, you feel a lot better, you know, the, the booze is out of the system, and, and the body can start firing on all cylinders and um i remember clarky walking by and it was sandy mccarthy had had didn't done a chicken wing thing in in philadelphia <laughs> and he was with new Jer- uh, new york at the time and we didn't have a tough guy dressed this is in preseason, and i just got sober i had about six seven months and i was jacked man i was i was like on a mission you know i i didn't really think that i would make it that year because i mean it, it's like that's that's you could take that a chapter out of a book and and i remember clarky walking by and he was 
humming and hollering and, and he goes we didn't have anybody dressed we better have somebody dressed and i was remember upstairs in the training room and i was riding the bike i said i'll fucking go that's right clarky looked over didn't say anything and then homer and them walked by and sure enough later on that night i got the call you're going in tomorrow but against uh you're going up to new york with the team for a preseason game and that's what started it i got in two fights that night and i was sober and and um you know, i didn't stay up right away but i i made my mark you know and I went into that season uh, starting down with the fans. I got called up early on, and I never looked back after that. And um, my career in the NHL started in my first year of sobriety. So that was awesome, man. And, and like, I, I remember it all. And, and the way that the team rallied around me, I mean, you know, guys like uh, Primo and, and, and Johnny LeClaire and um, yeah. Rick Talk, it was on that team. I mean, these I looked up to these guys, Mark Recchi and, you know, Eric Desjardins. I, uh, those, these guys were like my, they were my uncles, you know what I mean? I was 20 years old and I was their fighter. Right. You know what I mean? Which is like, sweet, oh. right? You know, but they, they, <laughs> they embraced me and they, they embraced my sobriety and I was open with them about it and they understood. They took care of me you know, like a good teammate would. And it was all part of, of a great beginning of, of, a, of my NHL career. And, um, you know, it was the sky was the limit. You know, two years later, I met my lovely wife, Teresa. And that's great. You know, she's, she's, a, she's a, a gift from God, I tell you. Like, she's, she's an angel and she's a beautiful woman. And she's um, intelligent and a great mother. And, uh, you know, just the strongest person I've ever met in my life. And all good answers. A better person, you know. <laughs> Fantastic. And, um, you know, I had my first kid, got married. Uh, in those first three and a half years and then uh and then got traded too uh so got traded out to <laughs> happens anaheim. right like that yeah got traded out to anaheim and, you and did that's the ducks the, by the way i'm not oh, happy with that name i'm not happy with it yeah the ducks it was well there's the anaheim ducks it was the last year they wore those purple jerseys yeah yeah were you still were you still a fighter then or were you just sort of a duck Oh no, I was I was still a fighter, man. That was my role. I, I embraced every bit of it. Um, I remember Luke Richardson and and uh, Luke Luke was a big guy, and Turk and Rock. Turk and Rock were the guys in the locker room that were. These guys used to set up fights, like, and they didn't set it up like they have to go tonight. You know, they'd be like, "Yo, is is Razor? You know, how's Razor's hands? Is he healthy?" And I'm talking about Rob Ray, and yeah. yeah. And then they go, oh, we got this young kid, Fedoric. He's 250 pounds jacked and he's ready to go. He's Anybody. Ready to go. Yeah. And, and Luke's talking about Luke's talking about it, uh, about the the about Razor before. And yeah, I mean, I know who all these guys are. And he's like, you know, he's he likes to come out of his jersey and he's giving me little tips and stuff. But I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Anything goes though, as soon as it happens. Yeah, and you, you can't plan the, the the chaos that happens in a fight. No, no. You just know, after, after on three it. years, yeah. you know, of sobriety, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't do what they told me. I didn't plug in out in out in uh, Anaheim, uh, and I ended up relapsing. Yeah, you know, and um, I'd always kept my home here because of. Um, my wife's family's from here and um but yeah i i relapsed after three and a half years i, I didn't plug in out there i didn't uh, you know set up a network of recovery based um uh, uh you know fellows and and um that's what you need to do you know when when you've crossed that line into full-blown addiction um this does it never goes away at least it never did for me and um 
you know, I didn't, I had to learn that the hard way. You know, I was one of those guys that had to be shown, you know, a, a real meathead, um, take a lot of shots. And, um, it was, uh, it was, I was out there for seven years, you know, wow. and, and those, I, I would kept coming back to this area and trying to get clean and, you know, to no avail. And it was just, it got worse and worse and worse. And, um, you know, it, hints of sobriety here and there, but, never really to the point where, you know, it got as bad as it did. And, you know, throughout my whole career, there's always more fights and more injuries and, and a lot of more surgeries. And, you know, that took its toll. And then new drugs came in, Ambien and, and then the, the yeah. Oxys and the, the Percocets and, you know, the painkillers and the opiates came into play too. And, um, you know, I love that stuff as well, man. I used to, you're supposed to take Ambien to go to bed. And I was taking it when I woke up in the morning with breakfast. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, it's brutal. That's a brutal medication. Wow. It's, yeah, you know, it's, it was, uh, it was just exactly like all of our lives go, you know, man. This is something that doesn't discriminate. Uh, it doesn't care who you are, what color you are. It's, it's just a, it's a voracious predator and it, it wants you dead. It wants you in jails or it wants you in psych wars. Like that's the ultimate three final answers that you will always get with addiction. You'll end up dead. You'll end up in a psych ward or you'll end up in an institution. I'll promise you that. And that's now after these re after this relapse, Todd, when um, you were still doing your career, were you, did you feel the need to hide your addiction and your relapse from your coworkers, family, and your team teammates? Yeah. Yeah, I did. You know what? Like, um, cause I had built up and this is the lie, you know, the, the lies that we tell and, and the bullshit that we live. Like I was a scumbag, man. I, I, like I had built up this, this kind of reputation as a sober guy and I let that precede me everywhere I went, but I was bullshit, man. I was, I was, I was, a, I was a, a scared, um, lying sack of shit. You know what I mean? Like, not a not a bone of honesty in me i lived three lives you know and i had a family i had babies and my mother-in-law lived with us and traveled with us wherever i went but you know i not you gotta understand i love my teammates you know and and that's why i'd say that i was a piece of shit because i put my body on the line for these guys on a daily basis because i loved the game and i loved what i did and i loved my teammates every single one of them to this day i love them and i love my family too but I love that bottle more when I was in it. You know, I love the drugs and I love that, that, that bullshit that come with it. And I didn't know how sick I was, you know? And, um, you know, I, I, I look back on it now. I don't, I don't, I don't regret those, uh, those years, but uh, I'm definitely not proud of them. But I think that today I can, uh, today I try to you not know, do that. You know, I try not to bullshit. I try not to lie. I don't say I never lie. It's a lie in itself. You know, I just try not to, and, and I try to do the next right thing. And um, I can say that today. I can say that without, without hesitation. I try Absolutely. to keep my side of the street clean. I try to live right. I take care of my kids as best I can. I'm not perfect. Nobody is. But, yeah, it was, um, it was a bad time, dangerous time, um, a lot more to lose, man. I had three kids, a baby on the way, and um, – so tell us, Todd, what, what, what brought you to your knees? What, what was it when it finally clicked? What was that? Um... I ain't going to beat around the bush. It was the spiritual awakening. 
Fantastic. Oh, the finger of God, whatever you want to call it. But absolutely. And you don't need to be a drunk, alcoholic bum to have a spiritual awakening. You going bad or down the wrong path in your life, or you're having some shit, or you had some shit happen to you, anybody can have a spiritual awakening. Anybody. Agreed. Anybody can change and be better. You don't have to be a fucked up like me. You know what I mean? You can just yeah. be, you can have something go wrong in your life, but then, you know, you just let those powers that be come in. And, you know, at the end of the day, I believe we are all connected. Every living thing on this yeah, planet yeah. is connected. If you've got a heartbeat, if you've got a life, you got that force, man. I, some of my buddies call it the, you know, Star Wars, right? You know, the dark side and, and yes. the force. And I mean, that's a real simple way of putting it. But, you know, I, I do believe that there's a, a grand design and there's a power that's, it's greater than me, man. And you know, when you're mixed up with that shit, you, you, you're taking your will and you actually think that you, you think you're God, you think you can combat yeah. with God and, and or a higher power, whatever you want to call it. And um, it, it's, it's sick. It's sick. And, and, you know, he, he paused the bullshit in me and, and was, I was able to step back and, and, and I, you know, I was, I remember I was walking in Tampa, I was on the street and, I always told myself I'd never do cocaine again. I'd never do the hard stuff. And uh, sure enough, you know, it, it progressed to that point. And um, um, I was just, I don't know, man, it's, I get emotional speaking about it because if you've, if you've been there. Mm -hmm. It's real right here. This is yeah, real. It really is. Yeah. Um, and you, and, and you, you get that shot to come back again, man. It's no fucking joke. Mm -mm. Um, I've had a lot of good friends die because of this. You know, Derek Bugard is a close friend and Joe the Roofer. I got a lot of good boys that, that don't win this thing, man. And it's it's no joke. And I thought I was tough. And then I found out I was tough when I came in and I and I got sober, you know. And oh, I, yeah. So I started working on the shit that I needed to work on. And, and uh, son of a bitch, everything got real, man, you know. And um, I, I, I'm charged today because of it. Like, I never thought... You know, in, in, I've been out of the game for 10 years now. And, um, you know, I would have never thought that I'd be in the position that I'm in, you know, working at a, at a place, helping guys like me, women like me, people that had suffered uh, with addiction, you know, un, under the, and, and whatever circumstances that, that brings them to these places in their lives. And um, it's, it's bad, you know, it's bad out there. And, um the, you know, the opiates and, and the fentanyl is just, I mean, it's, you have to have a place for people to go and you have to have more and more places for people to go. And they have to know that it's not, it's not something you need to be ashamed of. Right. I mean, this is about the comeback, you know, this is mm. about the, the ability to change and it's, it's as common as going to get an x-ray. It is. It is. And if you don't think it is and take a look on the streets next time you're driving around Camden or next time you're driving around anywhere, just take a look, take a look at your uncle, take a look at your cousin, take a look at your sister, maybe your mom, your dad, it's out there and it's close. And, and all they need is a, is a hand out there to say, Hey, you can come back from this, pick your shit up, get into a place where you can get some treatment, get off of that stuff. Like, there's a lot of places out there and there's a lot of people that are doing a lot of good things and the stigma has to be smashed. Mm, absolutely. Not, yeah. You know, you just told us that you've been out of the game for 10 years, right? Yeah. 
And with all these changes, because like you just said, everybody knows somebody who knows somebody who's struggling, right? This disease of addiction is wearing its ugly face and it's inside everybody's basement behind closed doors. Do you feel like the league is doing enough for NHL players these days? They are now. What about the retired and the uh, alumni players? They are. I believe they are. Um, You'll never hear about it because um, they're always there for them. Like it's fantastic, uh, but it, it, but this is the thing, you know. It's this is uh, you can always be there, but these you got you got to get to that place where you ask for help, you know. You right. can you can admit complete defeat and and there's we call him the thread, you know. Dan Cronin's a guy that you know he heads up this substance abuse and behavioral health program, or he's part of it, and Doctor Shaw and Doctor Lewis, and you know they are just. They have a place for these guys to go, and these guys need to understand that when shit gets bad, there's always a place to call, and nothing is wrong with that. Nothing is wrong with that. You don't have to worry about losing your job in anything you do, not just professional sports, because this thing is it reaches everybody now. So it's as common, like I said, it's as common as an X-ray. And and um, no, the NHL does a fine job of uh, putting that support. In, in place for these players, but ultimately comes down to the man or comes down to the woman or uh, for them to get up and, and, and reach out, you know, that hand for help. I, I agree. And I, I just want to add, you know, what, what Todd's saying here is definitely, you, you see that he's getting emotional with some of his words and mm-hmm. some of his story because he's experienced it. It's coming from the heart. I mean, I, I've known Todd now for com- close to two years now. Okay. Good friend of mine. I, you know, and you know, he's always going out of his way to help the next person. And I like, I literally, every time we hang out or I'm around him, like I feel better about myself because it's always that energy that he's giving out. You know, you gotta do the Everything's a hundred percent with fridge. Okay. There is no 50%, 10%. It's a hundred percent all or nothing. I'm going to help this motherfucker. He's got to listen to me and pick up the fucking phone. I got I'll go to his house. I'll clean up for him. I'll wipe his ass. I don't care what it is. You know what I mean? It's always that energy pointing. Got to do this. And it's like, dude, how the hell is this guy got all this energy? <laughs> and he's passionate about helping people. It's a beautiful thing, man. It's great. I love it. I love every second of it. I'm like, I need more of that. It's attractive. Right. So when you have that kind of, and he's talking about the recovery and, and, you know, fuck them or do this or do this and, you know, help this person. He means it and he's going to do it, you know, going to meetings, giving people rides if they don't have transportation, you know, he, he, you know, he's going above and beyond to help not just because he works at new life medical addiction services, but because that's is a part of his life. He's in it for the right reasons. Okay. He's 100% working to help people because i believe he might not say it, it helps him oh, all right get it man there's nothing better than having a cup of coffee with somebody kicking i'm telling you man you can put the you can plant that seed with guys and that's charged i get god shots thinking about it now i got some people in there now and i want to go see them in the morning because they can change. You can change. You can make a 180 and it's no joke, man. The, like the miracles that I've seen just in the short time that I've been over there and, you know, also the tragedies, you know, and, and that's the thing is like people can change their lives and they do change their lives. They get their families back. Their kids love them again. And 
um, they, their souls turn on and you can't beat that. You can't beat that. It has nothing to do with me, nothing to do with me. It's just about, it's about that big man and that soul turning on in somebody's eyes. And it's coming back from the abyss and the mayhem and chaos of this disease. And it's, that's what it's about. It's about the comeback. And then, and then you see, it's about the fellowship and you find other people of like-minded spirit and, and uh, they've been through this shit too. And, um, you know, some get sick, um, some get uh, healthy quicker than others, but uh, some stay sick, even still sober. And, and um, those are nice ones too, because eventually they get it if they can get honest. And that's ultimately what it's about. It's just getting honest, man. Get honest with yourself pick yourself up and, and it's nice to be able to coach people or, or talk to people and share your experience like i did it so can yep. you, you know it's amazing how powerful this disease is right you know two walks of life i was the bottom of a barrel junkie from boston you know what i mean and here we are with an nhl player and like the message that we're all carrying is the same we all have had that spiritual awaken that shift and, you know, we're out there doing, you know, the next right thing and, you know, helping other people helps me stay clean on a daily basis. And it's, it's wicked powerful. That wicked awesome, eh? Wicked, wicked powerful. <laughs> wicked. Okay, we got to transition. Uh, uh, you you got to throw out some love to the organization that you're working with. So New Life Medical, it's, it's what it is, it's, it's, it, it's nothing different. Everybody has these programs and, and, and everybody wants to say that they do the best thing, but, um, it's just another place for people to go. You know, it's an, it's an outpatient detox. So that's a little bit different. It's uh, it's more conducive to the people that uh, might want to stay working or, or might have the, the pills at home that they got from their doctor. And um, don't get me wrong. There's a sunrise is a great place too. sometimes we got to send some people in there because they need that time away from society and they need that time to get that stuff off of their, out of their system so they can start to live again. But, um, you know, we try to get them right back in the firing lines of life. And, and um, it's a great staff, Dr. Joe Savan and, and Joel Albano, uh, Kim Package, and um, the whole team over there. Yeah, a great team over there. Yeah, so. it's good people, man. You do too over at Sunrise. Those guys are good people as well. And, and any, I don't care anybody in this industry. Your heart's in the right place if you're doing this. If you're not, I'll come knocking at your door and make sure you, you don't want that. You don't right want the fridge way. coming you to your door. You a lot of people no, no, do it no the wrong fridge. way. You know, right. a lot of delivery from GE. Yeah. So, um, you know, new life does, you know, we do an outpatient detox. We do the IOP and OP and, and then we got peer coaching too. And peer coaching is a big piece, man. I like that. That's sober people. You know, you get, you get sober and, and you want to, you really want to help people, especially in early sobriety, young sobriety. And, and what a better opportunity and the, the state and insurance is paying for it like a little bit. I mean, it's not to make a career. It's for the right. And now you, you accept Medicaid patients at your Absolutely, program there. Man. Yeah. We, we accept all everything. We don't need to do private out of network bullshit. Man. Of course that pays and you can make a good living and you can support and you can have a nicer facility, but we'll take Medicaid. We'll take 80% of our census right now is Medicaid and they're the people that need it, you know, and I'm not saying people with private insurance don't need it, but people with private insurance live a different life than people with free insurance. And these people, the, they're the workforce of America, they're the salt uh, and, and then they're, they're the, they're the grit of what keeps this country running and keeps me attracted to it. I'm a Canadian boy, but I love Philly, man. I love Philly because it's a blue collar town. My wife's, family's all blue collar and then you know they grew up in in fishtown usa baby oh yeah uh you know that's where they grew up and there's something 
I don't know. There's a there's a level of grit in Philly that I just love, and and um, you know I like helping people of all all shapes and sizes and and colors. Man, Daryl Strawberry said it best, and you know, we all know that guy's story. But uh, oh, Maryville's yeah. another place that's got some history. It's the oldest rehab in the states, I think, and and they do a thing every year. And he said it, and I, this this is one of the moments that really said, yeah, that's what the fuck we're here for. He was up on stage and he was a speaker, and he goes. You know, I found God and, and that's how I, you know, that's how it changed my life. And um, he said that, you know, I really believe with every fiber of my being that we were only here to help each other. It doesn't matter if you're wow. black. It doesn't matter if you're white, tall, yeah. skinny, fat, yeah, Chinese, sure it don't fucking matter. We are on this earth to help the uh, next man, you know, and it doesn't matter if you've had tragedy in your life or not. It's, you're here to help one another. Right. And that's, that's something I really... I really try to live by and, and go ahead and call me on it. Question me on it. You know, I, my track record precedes myself and I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I live every day trying to, trying to get better and, 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 and work a program of honesty. And, yep. um, you know, it's how we can apologize for the bullshit that we did in our lives prior to coming in. Good point. We're going to have that. to wrap it up guys. I, I appreciate I, yeah. that. It's a pleasure. Yeah, Thank you excellent so much, job, Todd. Todd. Okay, you. hey, real Thank quick, we've got New Life Centers with an S. dot com, right? Centers, new Life Medical Detox. Yeah, New Life Medical Detox. It's in. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. For clarification, is that the website? New Life Medical. I've got because I, I got to get this clear. New Life Medical Addiction Services. Yeah. Okay. Google it. It's Google got it. there, but it's the URL is New Life Centers. New Life Medical. Cent no, no, I'm just telling you, I'm right on well, it. Well, you know what? New Life is the most, New Life Medical Addiction Services. Yeah, five-star rating, baby. <laughs> I'm all confused. No, we're going to clear it up. We're, it's because of my review that I yeah, gave. Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah New Life and, and I gotta, I got to have this one last. You got to have to answer this question. I've got a number. It's uh, 856-942-3700. 3,700, 856-942-3,700. You know what? 942 is the area code in my hometown. How about that? God works in numbers. Wow. <laughs> in your hometown, hang tight, hang tight. Your hometown, your hometown. No, I, I take, take. Red, <laughs> Redwater, Alberta. Yeah. We walk hard out there. Okay. Little Western boys. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not close to Play music. It, 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 <laughs> Is it close to any but any town up there? Is it uh, Edmonton's pretty... the closest town? So I, I got to I got to I got to grow up watching Gretzky, Messier, and all that. Oh, that yeah, that is pretty that's cool. Great. Right? Okay. That's pretty yes. damn cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you, Todd, for joining. It gets Thank better because so it does get better. It does. It gets better, and you're oh, an example does. of that. And your story is absolutely inspiring. You got a big old doggone heart. Oh man. Your face is a little crooked because you got hit a couple yeah. times, but that's okay. I'm trying not to be distracted by that face. Well, ten plates. Ten plates over, over <laughs> I know. Up. Not bad. Not no. bad. They do a good job, Humpty Dumpty, old dog. Oh, it looks... You, Have you seen the other stunning. guys, though? You're stunning. <laughs> it's, it's breathtaking. All right. Thank you for Thank joining. You. It gets better. Thank, Thank you. you, Todd. Thank you, Thank Rob. You. you were great.